0: Good morning. I um, was there singing and I forgot to put the microphone on. Uh, we have, do you guys remember that time? I'm not sure whose idea it was, but to reach our zip code, which is 77379, with uh, some invitations. And we spent like like three Saturdays or, or so packing these things. Do you guys remember these things? It was like pre COVID, uh, way back then. Uh, well, they resurfaced. They, they came out of like the time vault or something. And uh, it's a neat opportunity that uh, we have where we can take these and uh, there's a bucket right outside. And what we're doing is encouraging everybody to, uh, to take one. And as you kind of walk through your neighborhood or you uh, go to work or anywhere you go, you can just put this on uh, uh, a neighbor's door or leave it out of business, or uh, carry it in your purse, and uh, give it away. Uh, So, it's a neat opportunity, and I want to encourage you to take one, and um, don't don't take a bunch, because you're not going to do a bunch, but take one, and uh, every week we'll have this bucket out there, and every week you can pick one up and um, go pass it out. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, we made it through verse 15 last time and now we're going to look at uh, verse 16. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5 15 through 17. If you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Father, we're praying for a work that uh, only you can do. A transforming work that we turn from foolishness to wisdom. Father, what a terrible thing for us to think that we're wise in our own eyes. I pray that you would humble us. Father, I pray that uh, your spirit would transform us, illumine our minds to understand this word, so that we can apply it to our lives. Father our goal is to glorify you to be edifying one another and to be reaching a lost world father and our natural tendency is not to do that so i pray that you will use this word to change us in jesus name i pray amen maybe seen december 26 2004 around 8 a.m. in the morning, there was a shift in the fault line in the Indian Ocean, which caused one of the deadliest tsunamis in history. Tourists, vendors, fishermen were off the coast of Thailand, Sri Lanka, and Indonesia, really unaware of the earthquake. Nor were they aware of the dangerous wave that rushed towards them. And Before the morning was over, 230 30,000 people died. There was a story of a local vendor who saw around 10 a.m. that the water had receded, and it receded so quickly that there were actually fish flopping on the sand where the water was, and they thought, hot dog, there's fish. All we have to do is go and pick it up, and they started running out to go grab the fish, not knowing that danger was approaching itself. Once some of the tourists saw the wave coming, there was nothing to be done. There's a picture of tourists trying to run from it, but there was nothing to be done. The wave hit, and it then uh, started pulling out uh, into the sea cars, trees, homes, and people. Lots and lots of people. There were... uh, those who wanted to try to rescue. And they went rushing upon the scene to try to help in the situation, unaware that there was a second wave. And the second wave came in rushing, more powerful than the first. And it grabbed even more people and took them out into the sea. Now, why did 230,000 people die? Is it because they're not good swimmers? I don't think at this point it's about swimming, because it's not like just swimming in a pool. You're trying to avoid cars that are coming at you, trees. And you got desperate swimmers that are drowning, which are extremely dangerous. They died because they were unaware of a danger, and therefore they had no time to prepare for it. They did not know that there was a first wave and they had no idea of a second wave. They woke up blissfully ignorant of the shift that happened in the fault line between the Indian and Australian plates. Now one cannot prepare themselves for a danger that they don't know. Many tourists were there probably thinking that their biggest danger was someone coming and stealing their wallet on the shore. And I'm sure as they were in the water, they were probably doing what I'm doing, where you got the ocean this way, and you're making sure that your belongings are okay, not realizing that the danger was behind them, unaware of what was happening. Now, in the context that we've been seeing, Paul has been writing to the church in Ephesus. He's been talking about a a special dispensation, a special revelation that has occurred And that is that Christ ascended is the head of this new body, which is the Jew and the Christian. Something before never known. It just wasn't a thing. And based on this new revelation, they're supposed to act a certain way. Believers are. Those who find themselves under the headship of Christ are supposed to act in a certain way. Chapters 4, it implores them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Verse 17 of chapter 4, it talks about how they're to not walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened by their understanding. But we see also that we're to walk in love, 5-2, and we're to walk in light. Now, as we've seen this, we looked at verse 15, and it said, uh, I made the point that we carefully look at your steps. Carefully look at your steps. Walking as wise is not, humanly speaking, better than folly. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 make this point. There's really no difference between the fool and the wise person, humanly speaking, because the end thereof is both death, Uh, It's also, walking as wise, is not uh, a uh, path without pain and injustice. It's not an easy path. It's not a popular path. It's not a path where you get to keep your idols. And it's not a path where you get to see everything in advance. Sometimes as you're walking along in the path of wisdom, you have to make choices to correct things and change things. You you can't proceed. There's a blockade, and you have to move around it. Now, walking in wisdom, what it is, is submitting to the headship of Christ. There's no part of the body that's supposed to be doing its own thing. There's no part that's supposed to be uh, conducting itself in its own manner. Everything falls under the headship of Jesus Christ. That is what walking in wisdom is. You do that by constantly looking at the example. Constantly refocusing your eyes on who Christ is. Now today what we're going to be looking at is in verse 16, to carefully take advantage of your time. Carefully take advantage of your time. Now uh, verse 16 is not an independent clause. It's, It's a dependent clause on verse 15 where we find the imperative and the indicative. Uh, to be careful how you walk as wise. That's the main clause. And then uh, this is a dependent clause on it, saying making the most of your time. That making the most of your time is is a middle. And middle verbs are different than passive verbs because passive verbs are things that happen to you. Active verbs are things that the subject is doing but a middle is where the subject is involving itself into the process. It's you yourselves. You yourself making the most. He's he's telling them, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Now this this word has a a certain meaning, two meanings, and depending on the context, it, it goes one way or the other. For example, it can mean to secure deliverance. To deliver, to liberate. We see this in Galatians chapter four, verse five. He's talking about salvation. He says, "So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of as sons. That he might redeem is to purchase, to deliver those who were under the law. The law condemns the person. There's nothing that is good that comes under the law. It just shows your wickedness." Uh, But Christ came to redeem that. The word can also have a different meaning. And in context, you can pick up this meaning, and it has the idea to gain something, an advantage or an opportunity to make the most of something. Uh, We see this in uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had his dream, and he calls his wise men, his magicians and his astrologers to come, and he wants them to tell him the dream and then tell him the interpretation. They, uh, they start to try to buy time, and he says, look, there's only one in for you if you don't do this. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy your family, and I'm going to destroy your home. And they say, it. The king replies to them because they're asking for more time. It says, Then the king replied, Daniel chapter 2, verse 8, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time. That bargaining for time is this translation of this word here that we're seeing in verse 16, uh, where they're to make the most of. It's taking advantage of a situation. It also appears in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. There's the word again. Uh, We know about opportunity. We go to the store and we see S-A-L-E. We say, hot dog, it's an opportunity. I must take advantage of this opportunity because it will never happen again. There's a software program called Logos, and they always telling me that they're just two weeks away from ending their sale. I mean, it happens all year long, just two weeks away. I, I, it just never stops. But it's taking advantage of a situation. Now the question is, what is supposed to be taking advantage of? Well, we have to look at the text. Making the most of your time. Time. There's different ways which the Greek text can communicate the aspect of time. This word here has an idea that uh, it's not a specific chronological point in time, but rather it's more of a period of time or a season. There's another word which has the idea of a particular chronological time activity. Both words are very close in their meaning, but if you would have to put them side by side, you would Notice that difference in them. Now, thinking about this in chapter 5, verse 16, it's talking about a season of life. How long is that season? Well, it, it changes for everyone. It's, it's different. It doesn't have a, a certain time to start and a time to end. I'll use some examples. The Indian, the Delta of Venezuela, they take advantage of when the tide comes in and they set out these nets, and as they set these nets out, then they wait for the opportune time, which is when the tide goes back down, and then there's fish stuck behind the nets, and then they have to just go and grab them. So that season of opportunity is a a, a matter of hours. A farmer takes advantage of the spring season to plant farmer would have to be, living in the Northern Hemisphere, would have to be quite foolish to go and plant corn in December. I mean, (laughs) it's just not going to work that way. He takes advantage of the season. Now, how long is the season for planting? Well, you're talking now about maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month. Here in the States, parents take advantage of their child's youth to educate them. From five years old all the way to their 18 years old, the kid attends class, after class, after class. So now we're talking about a season of the person's life much larger than hours or weeks or time. Season here, this idea uh, that it's communicating of your time is a season that's dependent upon circumstances that many times you have no control over at all. Now, when we see this, Paul now introduces a purpose clause a purpose clause determining, uh, not upon this uh, making the most of your time, because that's not an independent clause, but the, the purpose statement goes with to walk uh, as wise, that's the idea, and the purpose statement is because, which is, gives a mark of causality. It expresses the ground on which this action is supposed to happen. And it says, because uh, the days... That word days has a typical meaning of when sun rises and the sun sets, that time when there's light. And there's an interesting contrast that is being placed here because we are told to be light in the Lord. In the Lord we are light. But here it's presented the daylight, and the daylight, it says, the days are evil. 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 This uh, word for evil, it has to do with being morally or socially worthless, wicked. It's degenerate. Uh, the word would not be used, uh, this word, even though it can mean bad. You would never use this word for like an animal, like that 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 dog is bad, because it... Um, there's not morality in the action of that animal. This has to do with individuals who act morally wrong or wicked or worthless. It's also used of the devil that acts in this manner. And it's also used in abstract ideas like we see here of the day. The days are evil. It's a word that gets used uh, 78 times in the New Testament. And in the contrast here that the light of the day is wicked, so it it puts in contrast with uh, those who are in Christ are light. There's an imitation here of uh, trying to be light, but at the end that light is just wicked, evil, bad. And what it says of it, the verb is, that it, the, the days are evil. Not that the days could be evil, hypothetical situation. It's not that the days will be evil, a future, or that the days were in the past evil, but in the present of the reader, they are evil. Now, What makes a day evil? For some, it might be a cloudy day that makes it evil. If you don't like snow and it starts to snow, you might think it's an evil day. But we don't really ascribe morality to rain, do we? So what makes a day evil? And the temptation might be to think, my days are not evil my days are pretty good. It's sunshiny outside. It's cool outside. I'm not having an evil day. I'm having a great day. Now, those people in Turkey and Syria, they they might be having a bad day. But I don't know that I can really ascribe to that the days are present, indicative, are evil. Now, as we look at this, we'll need to think about applying it in a couple different ways. We're to carefully take advantage of our time because uh, carefully taking advantage of our time by knowing what season you are in. What season you are in. Each of us are in a specific season in our life. If Christ delays coming back for His church and rapturing us up, and you continue living on, you're going to move into a different season in your life. But please understand, you'll never move backwards. You'll you'll never go back to a previous season of your life. That's just not going to happen. You only move forward in the seasons of your life. That's the only thing that happens. Now, what season are you in in your life? Uh, please understand that as we look at this, uh, God forgives our sins. He does. A child of God that acts sinfully, He, he forgives them. But please understand that you don't get to do over. Uh, forgiveness of sin does not place the clock backwards and put you so that you can react appropriately again. That time is already spent, and there's nothing that can be done about that. Now, as we look at this, a believer's sins, past, present, and future, were paid on the cross. But as it's paid on the cross, there's a certain judgment seat that every believer will have to appear before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The word bad there pertains to the idea of being relatively inferior in quality, ordinary. There are actions that we do that are good and we will be judged for those, not sin, but whether it's good or bad. Uh, Paul uses the illustration of a builder in 1 Corinthians chapter 3: 11 through 15. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which he is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. There's a judgment seat. God forgives for sin, but you don't get to go back in your seasons of life. You only move forward in them. What Paul is saying is, redeem the time. Take advantage of it. Now, not only are we to redeem the time, but we're to carefully look Carefully take care of our time by not wasting it. The admonition that we're giving here is to take advantage of the time. This type of construction is never used of money. Make the most of the money that you have. It doesn't. In fact, if you have to waste something between time or money, waste the money. But don't waste time. You only have one life. The other morning I wasted probably half a morning trying to decide between buying a Kindle book or a book in Accordance. The Accordance book was $23. The book in Kindle was $17. What is that, 6 bucks. And I spent half a morning trying to decide, and I bought the Kindle one and it didn't even have a table of contents. So then I had to go and buy the accordance one. I wasted half a morning on $6. Don't waste time. If you're going to waste something, waste money. You can always get more money. You cannot get more time. I think about when Jesus was sending out his disciples. He tells them to go two and two in Matthew chapter 10, 11-15. He says, you know, if they accept you, great, go in. Eat with them, share with them. He says, but if they don't, just shake the dust off your feet and keep on moving. Don't, Don't waste your time. Time is too precious to waste. You don't get it back. I'm going to work hard now so that I can enjoy my kids later. You don't get that. It doesn't happen that way. I'm going to do this now, so that later on I can serve the Lord. You don't get time back. You only move from one season to another season. We uh, traveled a lot as missionaries while we had young kids. And uh, none of them, none of them enjoyed just sitting there on the plane. they They just didn't. They wanted to be walked up and down. And none of them would fall asleep either. They would stay awake the whole stinking time. And this last time that we traveled to Spain, it was fantastic. They sat there. They went to the bathroom. They fed themselves. I thought to Kara, I told her, I said, you know, we should have started with grown kids. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense that we did this like this. We're all in different seasons. That was a season with young kids. Some are in a season of being widows, a widower. Some are in a season of they're contemplating marriage. Some are in a season where they're having young kids. Don't, don't waste time. Don't, don't waste time, especially with people that, that don't want to follow you. Don't waste time. We're also to take, carefully take care by believing that the days are evil. See, there's a temptation to think that the days are really not evil. And since they're not really evil, there's no urgency. It's just a Saturday morning. There's nothing to do. We'll brew the coffee around 10 and maybe have a kolachi or something. Or, but there's no urgency because the days are really not evil. We just go around like Nothing. Now why are they evil? Why are the days evil? Well, contextually, we've seen from Ephesians chapter 2 verse two that there's the prince of the power of the air, and that makes it evil. First uh, Peter chapter five, verse eight, says that Satan goes around like a roaring lion to see who he can devour, whom he can devour. The days are evil. The days are also evil because there are evil people. There's a text that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 14 through 18. It's where our word appears again. And it says, there's Timothy is, he's in Ephesus. Paul's at the end of his life, and he's writing him. And he says 2nd Timothy chapter 4, 4:14 Alexander the cop- coppersmith did me much harm the Lord will repay him according to his deeds be on guard against him yourself for he vigorously opposed our teaching at my defense uh, uh, at my first defense no one supported me but all deserted me may it not be counted against them but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Verse 18, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. There's our word. The same word that appears here. What brought on the evil deed? It was a person. Can you imagine Alexander the coppersmith? I'm sure at the time he thought he was on the right side of history. And yet, Revelation proves something different, he was on the wrong side. Now as we see this, we think about our situation. How are we going to act in this season? How are we going to conduct ourselves? Are we truly going to believe that they're evil and because they're evil, there is an urgency to act? Or are we going to say, no, there's no urgency. We'll just take our time. Believers must reject the way of folly by living in a skillful manner according to God's will. Remember the 230,000 that I talked about that died on December 26, 2004? They died because they did not realize that there was a danger. They were enjoying life. Maybe some of them were worried about their wallets on the shore, but that's it. They didn't really think that it was dangerous, and that's how they lost their lives. God is warning us that the days are evil. There might be some here that have never trusted Christ as their personal Savior. So they cannot walk as wise. You cannot walk as wise. And you can't redeem, you can't take advantage of the time. Because you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I would encourage you today at the time of invitation to come forward and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Other of us here, we haven't been taking advantage of the time. We've been wasting time. And we need to change that. You don't get a season back. You only move forward in seasons. And you need to redeem the time. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we close this service, I pray that your spirit would work in our lives if there's someone here that's unsaved, Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Father, I pray for other of us here that we have not been taking advantage of the time we've been wasting, it. that will change that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you please stand with me? as?